without a doubt, the most revered man in history throughout the world is Abraham. Four world religions trace their lineage back to him. The Jews trace back to Abraham through Sarah. The Muslims trace back through Hagar, Sarah's handmaiden. The Baha'is trace back to Abraham through Keturah. And even Christians refer to Abraham as Father Abraham. What was it about Abraham that made him so special? Well, I think the answer can be found in Isaiah 41.8, where God refers to Abraham as my friend. Abraham was the friend of God. But how did that happen? How did a man become the friend of God? How did Abraham, a sinful man like you and me, become acceptable as a friend to a righteous and holy God? What was the key to the relationship? If we knew, perhaps we too could become a friend of God. Well, Paul answers that question for us in the fourth chapter of Romans. And he makes it clear that it is not good works, a religious ritual, or obedience to the law that made Abraham acceptable to God. It was his faith. And that was Abraham's discovery. Abraham discovered that righteousness doesn't come through good works, religious rituals, or obedience to the law. Righteousness comes only through faith in God. Now, that's not, that's not news to most of us. But let's see how Paul proved it to a, a Jewish audience that believed, in fact, that Abraham did gain his righteousness through good works, religious rituals, and obedience to the law. And Paul begins by making it clear that righteousness does not come through good works. The fourth chapter of the book of Romans. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wage is not reckoned as a favor, but as what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is reckoned as righteousness, just as David also speaks of the blessing upon the man to whom God reckons righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Now, no one can doubt that Abraham was a man of good works. He did what... God told him to do, and he was fair in his dealing with others. 
When he was 75 years old, God told him to leave Haran and travel to a land that he would show him, and he went. When his herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen began fighting over pasture land, he told Lot to take whatever land he wanted, and he would take what was left. He was a good man, but he wasn't perfect. He lied twice about his wife, and it wasn't to protect her. He was so afraid that someone would kill him to be able to take Sarah as their wife because she was so beautiful at 65 that he told her to say that she was his sister. And he did it a second time when she was 90. Wow. <laughs> so he wasn't perfect. He couldn't boast before a perfect God of his goodness. But he was a good man. His good works, however, did not make him righteous. We know that to be true because when God told him his descendants would be as the stars of the heaven and Abraham believed him, it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now, the NIV uses the word credited, and it is an accounting term that means to credit to one's account. But the word reckon carries with it the idea that something is being looked upon as being when, in fact, it isn't. Abraham was being looked upon as if he were righteous when, in reality, he wasn't. Righteousness was being credited to his account, not because he was righteous, but because he believed God. And God therefore chose to consider him righteous. It wasn't something he earned as a wage for his good works. It was a gift. Like the forgiveness David was given after his sin with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband Uriah. There was no way David could pay for his sins, but God forgave him. He covered his sins and reckoned him as righteous. And that's what God did with Abraham as well. Abraham discovered righteousness doesn't come through good works because our works are never good enough. It can only come through God reckoning as righteous someone who, in fact, is not righteous. He also discovered that righteousness doesn't come through religious rituals, verses 9 through 12. Is this blessing then upon the circumcised or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say, Faith was reckoned to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it reckoned? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all who follow in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had while uncircumcised. 
Now, the Jews put a lot of stock in their religious rituals, especially in circumcision. Circumcision was a physical sign that assured them that they were God's chosen people and that they had entered into a covenant relationship with him. Some, however, had begun assuming that it was their circumcision that made them acceptable to God, that it was circumcision that made them righteous. After all, Abraham was acceptable to God, and he had been circumcised. And every obedient Jewish male since Abraham had been circumcised. Surely, they reasoned, since God had ordained it, that it was their circumcision that made them acceptable to him. To that, Paul says, in effect, wait a minute. When was Abraham circumcised? And when did God reckon him as righteous? According to Genesis 17, Abraham wasn't circumcised until he was 99 years old. And in Genesis 15, we discover God had reckoned him as righteous some 14 years earlier. So there was no way that his circumcision could have had anything to do with making him righteous or even making him be reckoned as righteous. It was instead a sign, a seal of the righteousness that had been reckoned to him because of his faith. Circumcision in and of itself didn't make anyone righteous. It was simply a reminder to Abraham and to his physical offspring that God had entered into a covenant relationship with them and that he was willing to reckon as righteous any of Abraham's children who shared the faith of their father. And the fact that Abraham was reckoned as righteous before he had been circumcised indicated that even those who were not the physical offspring of Abraham and had therefore not been circumcised could also be reckoned as righteous. They could also be his spiritual children if they would express the same kind of faith that Abraham expressed even before he was circumcised. The religious ritual isn't what makes a man righteous. It's the faith that gives meaning to the ritual that makes a man righteous in God's eyes. This was true of circumcision, and it is true of baptism today. Now, just getting wet makes no one righteous. It's the faith that leads someone to believe God and to do what he has asked that enables them to be reckoned as righteous. For as Abraham discovered, righteousness doesn't come through religious rituals. Neither does it come through obedience to the law, verses 13 through 17. For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would be heir of the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise is nullified. For the law brings about wrath. But where there is not law, neither is there violation. For this reason, 
It is by faith that it might be in accordance with grace in order that the promise may be certain to all the descendants, not only those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written, a father of many nations have I made you in the sight of him whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. The Jews thought they were God's people because they had the law, and no one else did. It had been given to them. So surely that was the basis of their standing before God. Well, to that, Paul responds, I sure hope not. If our standing before God is on the basis of the law, we are in big trouble. The law makes faith void. Either you obey the law perfectly or you don't. Faith has nothing to do with it. And the law nullifies the promise. If a man standing before God is on the basis of obedience to the law, God's promise to reckon him as righteous is an empty promise because he wouldn't be able to consider anyone righteous who really wasn't righteous. In fact, all the law does is make sinners into lawbreakers. And lawbreakers are subject to the wrath of the lawgiver. The law can make no one righteous. And it certainly didn't make Abraham righteous. Abraham lived some 430 years before the law was given. Abraham's relationship with God preceded the law. So it comes so it should be evident that a man's relationship with God doesn't come through the law given to Moses or the Ten Commandments. It's important for us to understand. The law is very important. But our righteousness does not come from the law. It's a gift made available to those born under the law and those born apart from the law of alike. It's a gift given to any who have the faith of Abraham, who believes in a God who gives life to the dead and is able to call into being that which does not exist. Abraham's discovery is simply that righteousness comes only through faith in God. In hope against hope, he believed, in order that he might become a father of many nations, according to that which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be. And without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet, with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in belief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully assured that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Therefore also it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now, not only for his sake was it written that it was reckoned to him, but for our sake also, to whom it will be reckoned as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he who was delivered up because of our transgressions and was raised 
because of our justification. In hope against hope, he believed. His body was as good as dead, and Sarah's womb was dead. How could they have a baby? It seemed impossible. But in hope against hope, he believed. Now, we've got to be careful here. We might get the idea that faith is something you conjure up when you don't want to believe something that is true. That faith is a denial of reality, of hoping something will turn out okay when everything indicates that it won't. You know, the doctor says you have cancer and death is imminent. But you say, I've got faith. I'm going to live another 20 years. That isn't faith. Unless God has said you're going to live another 20 years. And chances are he hasn't said that. So it isn't faith to believe. It is just hoping. Well, Abraham hoped, but his hope was grounded in faith because God had said he would have a son. It didn't seem logical. In fact, it was physically impossible. But he believed that God would do what he said he would do. And that is faith. It's believing God. It's being assured that God will do whatever he has promised to do. And when we have that much confidence in God, he accepts us as his friend. He considers us to be righteous and enters into relationship with us. That's what he did with Abraham, and that's what he wants to do with us. He wants us to believe that he will take care of our sins, that he will reckon us as righteous, and that he can do it and remain righteous himself through the death and resurrection of his son. We become heirs of Abraham, not through Sarah, like the Jews, nor Hagar, like the Muslims, nor even Keturah, like the Baha'is. We become heirs of Abraham through the faith of Abraham. We become his spiritual children by trusting that God can do what he says he'll do. If we do that, God will reckon us to be righteous. Now, once that is done, we will seek to do good works out of gratitude. We will find comfort and assurance in religious rituals. And we will obey the law as best we can. But our righteousness will come from none of that. Our righteousness will come the same way Abraham's came, through trusting in a God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist.
a God who can call us righteous even when we know we're not. And if we'll believe God in that, we can become his friend. Isn't that awesome? You can become the friend, the personal friend of an almighty God if you just believe him. If you'll just believe that he'll do what he says he'll do. And you respond in faith to what he said we must do to express our confidence in him. We will come before him in obedience. We will come before him through rituals he has ordained. We will strive to honor his law and live life according to that which he has ordained. We'll do all of that because of gratitude for what he's done on the cross for us. We become the friend of God through faith in what he's done for us. That's amazing. Now, sometimes we get all caught up in church membership and we get caught up in doing this or doing that and we think coming to church is what's important and it is but all of this is so we will come to understand that God wants to be our friend it's as simple as that and he's made it possible through Christ If you want to be made righteous in God's eyes, let your faith in him be made known. And he will save you.